Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. So it's Luke chapter 1. Reading from verse 1. And he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Cool. We're going to look at that in a moment, but let me pray again, and then we'll get into it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again that we have this moment right now where we can hear from you. Lord, we pray that as we open up your word and and spend this time, we pray that the things that are concerning us or distracting us, Lord, that we would be able to put aside. And Father, that we would be able to hear your word. So give us ears to hear and a heart to understand. We pray, Father, that you would meet with us this morning and that we would be different people because of that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, Uh, I found out there was Quitter's Day. It's an international day that happened on the 19th of January. Now, if you don't know what this is, Quitter's Day is uh, a day that was coined by Strava. So Strava are the app that track your exercise if you're on it, Um, your running and cycling and all that kind of stuff. And they did some research in 2019 uh, across 800 million users, Uh, And they did some research about what was going on at the beginning of the year. And they saw that at the start of the year, there was a peak in exercise. That lots and lots of people were exercising and that happened for 19 days. And then on the 19th of January, there was a steep drop. And so they coined it Quitter's Day, the day when everyone quits their resolutions. So how was your Quitter's Day? And if no one said that and has said this to you yet, happy Christmas Day, Uh, Quitter's Day, oh my gosh. In my mind, I was like, Merry Quitter's Day, and I still stuff that up. But I hope you had a good day uh, on Wednesday this year, this year, quitting your resolutions. Now, it would have been funnier if it wasn't so close to home for me. You know, as I think about uh, my year every week, I do love a new beginning. I love the start of the year. You know, you get tired from about October, and then December finally rolls around, and you get Christmas and a few days off in there, and some time to sort of catch your breath. And I love the idea of starting again, you know, new year, new me. Every year I get sucked into this. But as I think about my last few years, I've noticed that around mid-January, I do seem to stop my resolutions around the 19th of January. And so this year, it got me thinking, why is it that on the 19th of January, I quit? Why does that happen every year? Well, I think as I reflect on it, it's because of a few things. It's because by that point, we've all started back at work, right? In fact, usually it's like week two of work. By that point, busyness has started to come in. By that point, if you're studying, you're like, oh no, that's happening again. 
and it's happening next week or the week after that, whether it's school or uni. And this year you throw in a few other things like there's no chicken on the shelves or you can't get toilet paper or a bit of sickness going around. And all of a sudden you realize it's because of difficulty. Right, you notice that mid-January is when difficulty comes in and so you get this whisper, this temptation. When it comes to your resolutions and the temptation is this, it would be easier to quit than it would be to continue. And so what do I do? Well, on the 19th of January every year I celebrate by quitting my resolutions. Now, as you think about this idea, this morning we're not going to spend our time this morning talking about how we can continue our resolutions. Okay, that's not what we're going to do this morning. But this idea that it's easier to quit than to continue happens in all areas of life, not just resolutions, but relationships, work, study, every area of life. This temptation can come in, and of course that's true with faith. The idea of following Jesus, sometimes we get this temptation, and, and it can be true whether we haven't started yet or whether we're in it, sometimes this temptation can come across that it would be easier to quit than it would be to continue. And so this morning we wanted to kind of ask this question, what would we lose if we did? What would we lose if we did quit following Jesus? Or if we don't start following Jesus? What, what is there to gain if we stick at it, particularly when difficulty comes in? Ultimately, it's kind of this question, why does following Jesus matter when life gets hard? Well, this morning we're going to see that as we look at God's Word. And we're going to see that there's three reasons Luke gives us this morning. Three reasons to keep following Jesus or start following Jesus or not quit following Jesus. And the first reason we're going to see in the first four verses there, as Ross read out for us before, is because what happened with Jesus really did happen. It's a true story. It's historical. And we pick that up from verse 1 of chapter 1. It says this, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So why do we stick at it? Why would we follow Jesus? Why does it matter, particularly when life gets challenging? Well, the first reason is because it's historical. It really did happen. Now, let's set the context here for us just for a moment, because it's there's almost some stuff we've got to know before we get into the book of Luke. And we heard that with this guy's name, Theophilus, right? We read there, he's writing to most excellent Theophilus. And we don't know that much about Theophilus, except that he's probably the guy who's funding Luke to go and speak to the eyewitnesses and then write it down. Right? Writing a book like Luke was not a cheap exercise. It was quite expensive to do that. And so Theophilus is writing to him saying, can you make sure that this really happened? And so Luke is then going to go about writing historically so that Theophilus knows. Now, that's important for Theophilus, because in the ancient world, to follow Jesus was a difficult thing. You know, in the first century, it wasn't an easy thing to follow Jesus. That usually meant some kind of persecution or some kind of suffering. Many Christians in the first century died for following Jesus. And so Theophilus wants to know that it's true before he goes all in. Or he wants to know that it's true before he quits on it when it gets difficult. And so Luke begins here by saying, Okay, Theophilus, I've got something for you. I've got history. What, what you could describe Luke as is a historical biography. And so here we've got history. Now I know for some of us, we don't really like the idea of history. Now, some people love history and some people hate history. 
And I've got to admit that for me growing up, I was the hate history people. In fact, if I heard a teacher say modern history or ancient history in school, that was my trigger to zone out. I never really enjoyed history. But even if we hate history, we get the idea that there's certain things in life that need to be recorded. We all understand that. Even today we get that. And that's why when anything amazing happens, what do we do? We pull our phones out to video it. You know, this week, Poppy took two steps. You know what we did? We videoed that. We videoed that. We've got that video of her taking two steps and then putting her arms up like she was the queen of the world. It was amazing. Now, why do we record stuff like that? Right? Why do we record stuff like that? Number one is because it's pretty awesome. Right? That's, you know, she is low-key a genius. We're trying to keep it under wraps in our family. So, so that, she's amazing. But also, we do it because we want to remember it, right? We want to make sure that we can remember it stays in our mind. But also, if it's truly amazing, we want proof, right? We want proof that it happened. We want to show people, no, really, this actually happened. That's why we record stuff. And we know, all of us know, that there are certain things that need to be recorded. Now, Luke doesn't have a phone, right, to point out the obvious. He doesn't have a camera, but he knows that this needs to be recorded. He knows that what we're about to see in the book of Luke needs to be recorded because if it's true, it's going to change the world. It's going to change everything. You know, if God entered into the world as a baby, if God proved himself by signs and wonders, If God died on a cross, rose again, and shows that there is a way to life, if he did that, it's going to change things. So what does Luke do? He he records it. He records it. He goes and he records it. And I love the way that he does this. You know, we, we read it there. He carefully investigates it. Now, Luke, the background of Luke is he's a doctor. So he knows a little bit about researching stuff. And so it just adds to this fact that when he's researching this, he knows what he's doing. And he's speaking to the eyewitnesses. He's talking to them. He's adding them up. You know, he's talking to one. He's making sure it matches up with another. And he goes one by one. And then he writes this down for us in the book of Luke. He says, this is an orderly account. An orderly account of eyewitnesses from first to last so that you can have certainty. So that you can know that what we're talking about when we're talking about Jesus didn't happen under a rock. It wasn't someone's dream. It's not just this made-up thing that, you know, some really creative person did. No, this really happened. This is historical. It's a true thing that happened in a real time and place in history with real people. And we're going to see, as we go through this series, real people's houses. You know, Jesus went into real people's houses. He ate real food with them. What happened with Jesus is true. It's historical. And so when we think about this idea of why would we follow Jesus or why would we not quit when life gets hard, the first reason is because it really happened. You know, Luke wants Theophilus to know this, this is true. As we keep thinking about it, though, it's not just because it's true. So first reason, historical. The second reason is theological. Okay, so, so first reason is historical, second theological. And the idea here is that Luke doesn't just want to show us what happened in the past. He wants us to show what happened in the past tells us something about God. Okay, so theology is a bit of a weird jargon word. You might have heard it. It's the, you know, sometimes people say things like, I'm no theologian. You ever heard someone say that? Or like, I'm not into theology. 
Theology, while it's a jargon word, it's not a scary word, it just means study of God. Or you could say your theology is what you know about God. And so in this way, all of us are theologians. Okay, All of us are theologians because we all claim to know something about God. Now, why does it matter if we're all theologians? Okay, why, why does this matter? Well, it's possible to have right theology and wrong theology. And it's possible that those things have really big implications. Okay, so think about it like this. I was uh, reminded of this this week. So if you've heard of the stuff going on in Tonga, you know, there was that volcano out of the sea uh, from Tonga and a big tsunami came. But this week I was struck as I was watching a video from Tonga proof of something, I guess you could say. And the video was this guy who was working out at the beach of Tonga. I don't know if you saw this, but so he's working out and you can see the tsunami coming behind him. And then it kind of comes up the, the hill and then it wipes him out and the guy filming the video gets wiped out with it. I'm assuming they're okay because the video went online. So somehow we got that. But as I was watching that, I was just thinking like, how did he think that was okay? Why did he think that's okay? And, and then I was kind of thinking about it a little bit more, and I, I sort, of, you sort of realized this point, like it's possible to have right information and wrong information, and the wrong information have big implications. You know, so, so if his information was, the tsunami's not going to be that bad, or there is no tsunami, or it's just a meter high, and, you know, we've surfed that before, so it'll be all right. If that's his information, the implications are massive if that's what he thinks is going to happen. Right? Now, now, if we kind of think about this with theology, with our understanding of God, I think there's some sort of correlation here. See, it's possible to have right theology and wrong theology, and it's possible that that has big implications. Okay, so some people say that God doesn't matter. There is no God. And so your response to God doesn't matter. Some people say that maybe there's a God, but you know, Jesus is just one of many gods or Jesus is just a teacher, or just a prophet who spoke some stuff. But how you respond to him doesn't really matter. Okay, so some people say that. What we're going to explore in the Bible is that the Jesus says, no, there is only one God, and there's only one response that matters. And so in this way, find safety. Find safety through Jesus. Now, when you look at those two views about God, both of them can't be right at the same time. Either one's right and one's wrong. And depending on which one is right, will have big implications for the other. Okay, theology really matters because there's right theology and wrong theology and there's implications of that. Now, now why does this matter? Again, why does this matter? Why is this important? Well, we want to ask this question, okay, so how do we have right theology? How do we make sure that we get this right? Well, this is where we enter into Luke. Because Luke is not just a historian, he's a theologian. He wants to tell us about God. And when it comes to getting theology right, instead of trying to find our theology ourselves, let's just listen to what God says. And this is what we see in Luke. We see Jesus rock up and say, hey, I'm God. Jesus proves himself that he is God by signs and wonders. And then Jesus shows us some beautiful things about God, the type of people he came to save. You know, I, this series is going to be so much so good as we see the type of people that Jesus is going to save. Jesus shows us in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he came to seek and save the lost. He shows us the heart of God. Jesus shows us everything that we need to know about God and the way to God. 
And so as we go on this journey in this series, we're not just going to see history, we're going to see theology. We're going to learn about God and why that matters. And it matters because right theology and wrong theology has huge implications. Okay, so, so why do we stick at it? Well, I think if we look at the theological aspect of it, it's because if we give up on Jesus, there's going to be implications of that. So number one, history. Number two, theology. Right, why stick at it? Number one, history. Number two, theology. And then number three, the third reason we stick at it is personal. Okay, personal. There's a personal value that we're going to see from Jesus as we go on this series. And, And this is important because, you know, throughout life, if you ever feel like you're not personally valued, um, that has big implications for you. Right? Have you ever felt this where you're just making up the numbers? You ever had that feeling like no one really cared if you were there or not? See, when you feel like you're not personally valued, sometimes what you can then say is like, it doesn't matter if I quit because no one's going to know. You know, I had this, this moment. At the end of school, I was working at Woolworths in the deli. And I wasn't very good at my job. And I wasn't very interested in meeting people. And so there was the combination of that is I felt like no one knew that I was there. And uh, I had this, after a little while, I just had this thought that if I quit, I don't think anyone's going to know. And so after a while, I remember writing in the diary, I quit Ben. And to this day, I'm still not sure if they realized that I was gone. Now, when you feel like you're not personally valued, sometimes you feel like if I just quit, no one's going to know. Now, that's true in every area of life. You know, if we don't feel like we matter, if we don't feel like we're personally cared for, then it does lead us to just wanting to give up. But what we're going to see in Luke is that God cares. And not just on a broad level, but he cares for us personally. Now, the way that we see this, I think, is kind of interesting. So, again, let's remember the context that Luke is writing in. It's first century. And first century was a patriarchal society. Okay, which meant that, as a generalization, men were valued, women were used, and children were in the way. Okay, that's the society that Luke writes into. But what we're going to see in this journey through the book of Luke, as Jesus goes and has meals with people, is that if that was the society values, what Jesus shows us is so different. Jesus shows us that he cares for individuals. Now, we see this in a few ways. We see this firstly in the fact that Luke mentions people's names. Okay, now I know it might seem like a small detail, but he does this more than the other Gospels, more than Matthew, Mark, or John. He mentions individuals' names. Okay, we're going to meet some in this series, Levi, Zacchaeus, Cleopas, to name a few. And, and what's the deal with individual names? Why does Luke do this more than the others? Well, I think firstly, it's to show us these are the eyewitnesses okay, that he's talking to. You know, and if you were alive back in that day, you would go and talk to them. But also, it's to show us that the individual matters. You know, like he didn't have to mention this is for Theophilus. He doesn't have to mention who the guy is that he's going to the house of, but he does. Time and time again, we see the individual matters as we see their names and their stories. But see, this isn't just the only way we see God cares personally for individuals. We see this as he breaks the cultural norms. So if you think about women in a society where women were used, in the book of Luke, we see these women have such a powerful role to play. And Luke mentions them. He tells us about these women. You know, in the first two chapters, we see about Mary and Elizabeth who played key roles in the birth of Jesus and John the Baptist. 
But then it goes on. Mary Magdalene, Martha. We meet uh, Anna and Joanna and Susanna and some widows, of, uh, uh, some widows of Nain, I think, and a widow that goes to the temple and the daughters of Jerusalem. And women in the book of Luke, you just see as you read it, they're valued. Now, as we read that today, it doesn't, it doesn't kind of strike us as it would if you were a first century reader. But for them back in the day, this is countercultural. Right? You didn't write women in like this, but Luke does. And what we see is that Jesus values women. But it's the same with children. You know, again, in a society that, that thought kids were in the way, we see over and over again, Jesus and Luke value kids. So we get like three chapters on the infancy narrative. Right? That, that means something. And he's spending time talking about the birth of Jesus and the birth of John the Baptist. But then as we go on, there's that, that powerful one where they're bringing kids to Jesus. It's in Luke chapter 10. And they're bringing Jesus, uh, kids to Jesus and the disciples, so the followers of Jesus, rebuke them and say, get out of here, kids. You're in the way. And Jesus says, no, bring them to me because the kingdom of God belongs to these. Do you see God values kids in a culture that didn't? And then there's the poor. You know, again, in a culture that didn't value the poor, we see the poor mentioned a lot of times in the book of Luke. Again, to show even if society says you're not valued, in the book of Luke, we see Jesus values them. Now, you add all of this up, the names, the way that God treats women and children and the poor, and what you begin to see is that God is interested in people, but not just as like groups of people. He's interested in individuals. God personally cares for people. And what this means is that God personally cares for us too. Right? Like like God knows your name. God knows your story. God knows what you're going through right now. He knows your struggles. He knows your heart. He knows your, your mental capacity, your emotional capacity. He knows what you've been up to this week. God knows. And he doesn't just know you personally. He loves you individually personally god loves you and cares about you and so if you have this feeling like i'm not valued or society doesn't value me what god shows is that no you are valued and if you're feeling like the sense that if i just quit no one would know god knows and he cares and so when you think about all of this and you pull it all together what you see is why this matters why we can't just give up on jesus It's because, number one, it's historical. It happened. It's true. Number two, it's theological. It tells us about God. And then number three, it's personal. God cares about us. Now, as we see this, you can see why this would be life to Theophilus. You can see why in a first century where where you would suffer for your faith, this is the motivation to keep going. Right? Don't give up on your faith. Yes, persecution might come. Suffering might come. You might be jailed. You might be killed. But keep at it. Keep going in your faith because it happened. It's true. Because it matters. This is the way to God and because God cares about what you're going through. But of course, these implications are not just true for Theophilus. This is true for us as we think about this today. You see, there is a reality that many of us will face difficulty. Some of us are there right now feeling the sting and the challenges of life. And what happens when difficulty comes in is we get this whisper this temptation, it's easier to quit than it is to continue. And sometimes this can happen in big ways, right? When it comes to like our whole faith, trusting in Jesus at all, 
And sometimes when it comes to our faith, we feel like this sense, I'm just going to give up on Jesus. And I just want to, this encouragement this morning, don't give up on Jesus because it's true. It happened. It is the way to God and God cares about you. But sometimes this challenge to give up, to quit, is not just in big ways, it's in small ways. You know, sometimes it's just in being the person God called you to. Sometimes it's just in loving other people. Sometimes it's just turning up for others. Sometimes it's being the parent that God's called you to. Or the, the neighbor or the colleague that God's called you to. Sometimes it's just in you know, being at church or serving or giving or whatever it is. And it's not just in the big moments of life that we're tempted to give up. Sometimes it's in the small things as well. The small moments where we're faced with difficulty and the temptation is just quit. Just don't do it anymore because it would be easier if you didn't. But this morning in the big and in the small, the encouragement is, no, keep at it because it's true, because it matters and because God personally cares about you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that this would be the truth that does help us through this season. We pray that even if we're not in difficulty yet, that when it comes, we would be able to hold on to you as our firm foundation, knowing that the story of Jesus, the account is true, knowing that it tells us about God and the way to God and the way to life, and knowing, Father, that you personally care for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.